Hello and welcome to the 100 Day Writing Challenge, day 54. So before we get started today, I wanted to begin with a slightly ominous content warning. Today's episode, and indeed the three episodes that follow this one, are going to touch on the topic of emotional trauma. Not exclusively, and I won't be describing anything graphic or specific, but if you listening now feel like you're in a place where the whole topic is, is just a bit too much, then I invite you to take a break today and come back later when you're feeling a bit more replenished and a bit more well-resourced. It's tricky because obviously like, I want this course to be accessible to as many people as possible, but I feel like it would be lacking something fundamental if I didn't touch on this somehow. It may seem like I'm sort of over-egging the pudding a little bit in my build-up to this, you know, going a bit over the top, but I just want to do this right. And if it doesn't affect you, it might be important for someone else listening. So I just beg your indulgence and patience while I say what I've got to say, okay? Um, So as a kind of addendum to the previous point, you've got my permission to skip today's exercise if you want or need to. Of course, I've never had any power to make you do any of the exercises, but I'm explicitly giving you permission to skip today if you want. You don't need a reason. You don't need to justify your decision. If you don't feel like it, don't do it. It won't damage what you get out of this course at all. I won't assume you've done it as we move forward. So no guilt, no criticising yourself if you decide not to do it. There are lots of ways to approach the craft. Every writer needs patience and self-compassion. So at worst, today might be an opportunity to put those two very, very vital qualities into practice. In fact, today's exercise is going to extend for the next three days as well. And it has some options, you know, some choices you can make in terms of how you engage with it. And it's not like one of those options is the hardcore option and the others are kind of wimp outs. Definitely not. So if you like, you can listen and hear the options before you decide. But if you want, just know that you can skip today and the next three. I think what we're covering is important, of course. I wouldn't be including it if I didn't think that it had lots of value. But it's by no means essential. So just know that. And finally, I just want to add, I am not a therapist. I am not your therapist. I don't have a degree in psychology. Neither do all therapists, but I digress. I don't have any training as a counsellor. I'm not qualified for any of those things. I don't have any experience in a therapeutic setting. Um, I'm not physically there with you as you go through this course. I mean, that last one you've probably guessed without my making it explicit. I mean, now I've said it, it almost sounds slightly suspicious that I felt the need to make that clear. Maybe I am standing behind you. Don't look. Whoop! I've moved. Writing can be therapeutic, but it is not therapy. If you're ever going to delve into some difficult areas of your life, I think you need to make sure you have a support network around you of people you can talk to, people you trust, people who can hold you with uh, kindness. Uh, Not necessarily literally, but just you know, be there for you. And if you're really struggling psychologically, you need to reach out, you know, to social and or professional resources to get help. I can't help you with any of those things. And it would be wrong for me to sort of pretend I can. And frankly, I don't want that responsibility. Right. Disclaimer over. I'm sorry if that sounded sort of like overly, if I was making some things that were obvious, uh, clear and just restating them um and sorry if it sounds it sounds a bit cold as well like i'm going look just don't don't expect me to help you i you know it might not apply to you right any of that but i'm someone who's struggled and i've been through a lot of changes and i've done a lot of work on myself and i'm still working on myself and i have good days 
and I have more challenging days. And I just wanted to flag some of those things up and also just separate my, you know, experiences as someone who's been through those things and a kind of a a fellow traveller from my responsibilities as a writing mentor. Right, so let me tell you a story. In the 1980s, psychologist James W. Pennebaker conducted some studies on expressive writing with his associate Sandra Beale at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas. I had him on the podcast a year ago and you can listen to our chat if you want to hear about how the experiments came about, which was kind of by chance. And he also talks about some work he did after that with um, pronouns, which is really, really interesting. And, you know, I was thrilled he agreed to be on the show because he's kind of like, in my eyes, you know, a a, a kind of superstar of the uh, psychology world. Uh, So do go and listen if you get the chance. In any case, in this particular study back in the 80s when it all began, um, student participants were divided into groups and he asked them to write for 15 minutes a day over four consecutive days. One group, which was kind of like a control group, were asked to write about something trivial like describing the room they were in. The next three groups were asked to write about their traumatic experiences. One group was asked just to vent their emotions about the experiences one group was asked to write unemotionally about the specific traumatic events, just the facts. And the third group were asked to write about specific traumatic events and their emotions about those events, both at the time and now, looking back. The students in this final group were told to write, quote, continuously about the most upsetting or traumatic experience of your entire life, end quote. Something that, quote, has affected you very deeply, end quote. They were told not to worry about spelling, punctuation and grammar. It is critical, they were told, quote, that you let yourself go and touch those deepest emotions and thoughts that you have. In other words, write about what happened and how you felt about it then and how you feel about it now, end quote. If they ran out of things to write, they should return to the beginning of the memory and start again, perhaps phrasing it a little differently. During the experiment, some students cried as they wrote. Some reported dreaming about their writing over the study's four days. Students in the other three groups, that is, writing about trivial things, venting emotions, or writing dispassionately about trauma, initially felt more positive about their writing than the group who had to link events to emotions, who experienced a dip in mood. But Pennebaker and Beale checked up on their participants after the study was finished and made some startling discoveries. Four months later, the students who had written linking specific events to feelings reported when they were writing about trauma overall experienced significant improvements in mood. They were more positive, had more energy, and many felt they'd resolved a difficult issue. Six months after the end of the study, Pennebaker and Beale discovered that visits by students in the final group to the University Health Centre had dropped by 50%. For all other groups, their visits stayed roughly the same. Further studies showed that students who wrote about traumatic events in detail while exploring their feelings at the time and later exhibited increased congruence in brainwave activity between the left and right hemispheres, One explanation offered for this is that emotional and linguistic information was being processed and integrated simultaneously. They showed boosted immune systems with increased T lymphocyte production in response to the foreign mitogens phytohemagglutinin, wow, that's hard, and concannavalin, I-R-A, 
Concanavalin A. I have no idea whether I pronounced either of those correctly. Actually, I do have some idea. I think I pronounced them both wrong. Uh, Phytohemagglutinin and Concanavalin A. Um, those were the foreign uh, the, the the foreign mitogens introduced to get an immuno response that seemed to be raised. I'm, the only reason I'm saying them right is just so you know, is just to show, show that this isn't junk bullshit science that I'm just making up off the top of my head. I'm reading it off a piece of paper. You know, there have been over 200 published peer-reviewed follow-up studies and Pennebaker's results have been widely replicated and validated. You can go online and look up some of these studies yourselves. But it doesn't stop there. You know, several studies have been done where people get this little four millimetre punch biopsy right where they like pop a little circular wound into your arm or wherever and participants who engage in expressive writing with emotional disclosure two weeks prior to the wound heal faster than a control group there's a lesser but significant effect if people start the expressive writing after receiving the wound but the earlier they start the bigger the results they see i've even seen studies that suggest symptom reduction reduction with asthma and rheumatoid arthritis i haven't had time to dive into those studies to actually read them to assess how reliable they are but just you know fyi they've been done expressive writing about trauma doesn't just have a demonstrable impact on emotional well-being it appears at least from these results that it may literally help you to heal now i am super cautious when drawing any sweeping conclusions from psychological research because there are 101 confounding factors that can make apparently robust effects make us think something one thing's happening when in fact something quite different's happening these studies you can't really do the gold standard of data research which is double blinded trials like people know whether they're writing about a deeply emotional event or just about what's in the room right so participants may get a sense of what's going on and may expect an effect so there may be a placebo effect i don't know um but look as research goes you know this i i think what we see with this number of studies um and, and there's some things to do with the sampling as well i won't bore you with all of that but you know like it's mainly done with students so it's not necessarily you it's not representative of the whole population necessarily um Although not all of the follow-ups have been done with students, but just, anyway, I'm just getting my data scientist and got, got, I know that we can kind of like there's ways we can challenge it and, and and ways that we can look at it there. But as research goes, I think it is pretty reliable, well documented, and well replicated effect. You know, it's pretty robust. So then the big debate, if you accept that something's going on here, something of interest, is is why. What's the mechanism behind this? Well, I spoke to James W. Pennebaker. He, he said I could I could call him Jamie. Um, he was actually really lovely to talk to. I'd, be, I'd been really nervous and he put me at ease and answered all my questions at length. He was like, really indulged me and I, just, I really enjoyed talking to him. Well, his explanation is that holding in trauma or feelings you haven't dealt with causes stress, right? So the act of having not dealt with them causes stress that inhibits healing you know depletes your immune system we know that chronic stress has a immunosuppressive effect and it makes you sad which makes an intuitive sense right except that as he talked he pointed out himself some people talk about past trauma 
all the time, right? They, they, they ruminate on it over and over. They think about it. They tell other people about the things they've been through and they feel like crap. Studies haven't shown... Also, like, studies haven't shown a difference between people who write about previously undisclosed traumas and people who write about ones that they've already talked about. So maybe it's about the actual act of creating a new story, a new narrative for these events to fit into. Remember, participants had to write about the traumatic experiences in detail, linking what happened to their emotions then and their emotions now, looking back. That's quite a sophisticated way of processing it, right? But it gets weirder. Studies have replicated this effect, showing psychological and health benefits for people who write about completely made up traumas like they just they're just asked to imagine one that never happened to them you know stuff that didn't happen to them or anyone and they still get some benefit what's happening there now I, i can suggest a number of biologically plausible mechanisms but you're not here for my amateur psychological speculations you're here to write whatever the cause the healing recuperative effect of expressive writing about difficult experiences is there and appears to be very reliable Writing about past trauma makes you ultimately feel better and it seems to help your immune system. And the suggested method for writing about it is, incidentally, a pretty good blueprint for writing effective, engaging memoir. You know, so we we link our emotions to specific things that happen. We try to go through it and tell it in as much detail as possible. Um, that's pretty, you know, that that that's interesting to me. You know, so even though the initial effect of doing this task seems to be a dip in mood maybe even a dip in immune function. When I put together my original Couch to 80K course, I felt justified in offering this up as a kind of hard but ultimately nourishing medicine. Lots of writers I speak to talk to me about how they find writing therapeutic, how it helps them emotionally, how it helps them integrate difficult things in their lives. Um, And it seemed to me that it was important to like face that head on a little bit and acknowledge that and, and ask why and like dig into it and then someone pointed me towards the work of laura a king a researcher who replicated some of penna baker's findings about expressive writing and then she decided to try some variations on them in in, in two different studies she tested what happened if students were assigned to write not about past trauma but either about one of the most intensely positive experiences they'd ever had or in another study about their best future self. So imagining themselves in the future and and what they would look like, what that future would feel like if it was going amazingly in their best possible future self. And, And guess what? Those psychological and physiological benefits I've been talking about? Yep. People who wrote about a, a really positive past or a really positive future also showed boosted mood and had fewer healthcare centre visits, but without the initial upset of writing about trauma. So what's going on there? Like, here's the instructions they received when being asked to write about an intensely positive experience, or as the study calls it, an IPE. Quote, Think of the most wonderful experience or experiences in your life, happiest moments, ecstatic moments, moments of rapture, perhaps from being in love or from listening to music or suddenly being hit by a book or painting or from some great creative moment. Choose one such experience or moment. Try to imagine yourself at that moment, including all the feelings and emotions associated with the experience. 
Now write about the experience in as much detail as possible, trying to include the feelings, thoughts and emotions that were present at the time. Please try your best to re-experience the emotions involved. End quote. On the second and third days of writing, these instructions included the sentence, quote, you may either write about the same experience as yesterday or you may choose a new one. End quote. Why does writing about peak experiences seem to make people happier and healthier? And why does it seem to have the same effect as writing about trauma? I don't know. There are some marginally plausible theories. Maybe the act of reinterpreting, writing about, re-experiencing and reintegrating our lives in some coherent narrative helps us out. You know, maybe that's what we're doing as storytellers when we write fiction. I was talking to a friend of mine about this and she said, maybe it's a bit like dreaming. Maybe it is. You know, maybe that's why we dream, you know, to take the material of the past and future and throw it together into this comprehensible, coherent, healthy whole that kind of is navigable for us as human beings as these tiny kind of specks moving through the kind of chaos of the universe. I'm telling you all of this because, one, I think it's damn interesting and super pertinent to what you want to do as a writer, what you're doing, you know. It kind of like locks into some of the core purpose of being a writer, right? This is why it matters. And it's, you know, it's a pretty powerful tool, right? But secondly, I think our highest potential and our worst fears are really the stuff of fantastic gripping storytelling in my humble opinion you know so if you can connect with those feelings in you those core parts of your humanity you get to carry something back to the page which is shining and valuable and transformative you can transport people and you can help them and along the way, you might be able to do those things for yourself as well. So for today's exercise, look, you have a choice. You always have a choice, of course. But today I'm offering you an explicit one. You can either write about one of the most traumatic experiences of your life or one of the happiest, most wonderful, most enraptured experiences of your life. Whichever you choose, I'd like you to imagine yourself in that moment and include all the emotions and sensations you had and write about that moment, that time, that experience, that event in as much detail as possible. You can give us the context, you can give us names, um, you know, you can include your feelings then and your feelings now, looking back. Try to write continuously until I ring the bell at the end of 10 minutes and try and re-experience those feelings. Now... One option isn't better than the other. It's totally up to you. Uh, both have merit. Uh, I, I think it's just as valuable to write about a peak experience as it is to write about a very, very difficult experience. Just be aware that if you choose a traumatic experience, it can be distressing during the writing and it can temporarily lower your mood afterwards. So you might want to sort of take steps to put things in place to help you with that right if you need to take a moment to sort of decide or pick by all means hit pause and do so when you're ready i'll count you down and you can begin okay ready three two one go
and that's it that was your 10 minutes now i don't know what you chose but today more than ever before this is a good opportunity to reflect on those three questions i've been asking how did you feel before the exercise how did you feel during and how do you feel now we're going to be working on this over the next few days kind of repeating a kind of model that's similar to Penna Baker's original experiment. I think it's important, deep work, this. And that's why I've included it on the course. But you know, you are great. You are wonderful. You are valuable. And the most important thing is you taking care of you, you know. Writing is a subset of that. So go take a walk, have a bubble bath or some cake. Fuck it, have all three. And I'll see you tomorrow. The 100 Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England.